So Money episode 248, Adrian Dorison. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Wow. Episode 248. We're just too shy of 250. We've come such a long way. And I wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the listeners from the beginning, from the middle. If you've just joined us, I am just honored to have you as a listener on this show. And so speaking of this show, when I set out to start this podcast, I I wanted to create a show where successful people of all walks of life could share their stories and advice through an open conversation about money and hopefully inspire our listeners to say, you know what, you can do it too. And my guest today, Adrienne Dorison, has that same goal in mind in her business. Adrienne created a 10-session and a VIP intensive program to create your quote-unquote rich life, which she defines as being all about self-mastery to reach your highest potential, to create freedom, financial success, and lasting fulfillment. Sign me up, please. In this program, you receive coaching sessions, online support, access to her mastermind group of entrepreneurs, and so much more. But it didn't always start with this program. You know, Adrian has a story like we all do. So a little bit more about Adrian. She paid off $45,000 of student loan debt in just six months. And before that, had a career at a prestigious Fortune 500 company, which she quit, and is an accomplished athlete. She has even won a long-distance triathlon. Some takeaways from our interview. One, we begin by discussing Adrian's debt. How did she manage to erase a five-figure debt load in half a year's time? What were the steps that she took specifically? How Adrian grew her coaching business on the side while working her nine-to-five, and the day that she called it quits, how did that go? And her confusing childhood, confusing I put in air quotes, this is how she describes it, and the lessons that it taught her, particularly the financial ones. Please welcome Adrienne Dorison. Adrienne Dorison, welcome to So Money. I'm really excited to have you. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. I'm excited to be here. It's like a mini dream come true. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. Okay. Wow. You need to get big. You need to dream bigger, girl. <laughs> it's one of my dreams. Okay. No. <laughs> well, I'm honored. I'm flattered that you said that. Uh, I have you on the show for a lot of reasons. You know, people uh, who may not know who you are, although I just got off talking about you in the introduction, you are very on- entrepreneurial is not even summarizing I think the the genius that is you. I think um, a lot of people on the show who listen and tune in like you and like I are very ambitious, but we had to go through some challenges before we could achieve success. And for you, one of the biggest challenges was your debt. And while granted, we don't talk about debt a lot on this show, I think it's I'm going to start integrating it a little bit more into the conversation because let's be honest, everyone has or had a a run-in with debt of some of some scale. And for you, it was $45,000 of student loans 
that you happened to squash in just six months. And this was something that was really a barrier for you from being able to go from living and working the job of your dreams from where you were. You know, you're working for a company and you were, I guess, okay, fine, happy, but you weren't fulfilled. And this debt was really the thing that was getting in the way. So let's start there because um, it is kind of where you, the rest of your story begins is being able to pay off this debt. So tell us how you did it. And in such a short period of time, six months. Yeah. So I think that the numbers almost don't even make sense, right? Like people are like 45, it was over $45,000 in six months. And so that's a, a lot salary of- <laughs> that's you paid off it. <laughs> I know. You, you basically had an employer for six months that you paid. Yeah, exactly. And, and I wasn't making, um, enough, you know, to do that alone just with my corporate job. So it was definitely a few steps like combined together, which I'm happy to like give you some insights on, of course, but it didn't even seem mathematically possible to me. And that's why I love like sharing this story, because I think a lot of people are stuck in that place, whether it's, you know, they can't leave a job or they can't travel like they'd like to or whatever it is. There's probably some debt holding people back from doing the things that they really want to do in their life. And so uh, back in January of this year, uh, 2015, I made a decision, which is, I think, the very first thing you need to do. You need to make a con decision to not get into any more debt and to really uh, aggressively attack, you know, whatever debt or financial goal that you have, because it's not always easy. So you have to really, like, really decide that that's what you want to do. And then um, I worked through Dave Ramsey's program, Financial Peace University, and I now teach like that it? program. Oh, you teach I, it now. Well, there yeah. you go. I guess that's quite the endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I... I I love Dave's program. I will say that now having gone through it and now being so interested in money, I learn, you know, I now go out and learn more than just that program, right? And I have my own, I, you know, probably opinions about some of the things he teaches. But I think that that program is amazing for people that are in his target market. You know, they don't really know anything about finances. They really just need a starting point. And I think it's perfect for that, right? Does it, is, everything uh, still something that I agree with? No, not necessarily. But I think the ideals are definitely the place to start for someone who's like drowning in debt or just in financial chaos. But you know, um, to be honest, yeah. Adrian, I hear $45,000 and I don't, sad to say, I don't consider that drowning in debt because mm-hmm. I hear often people saying I have over $100,000 mm-hmm. in credit card debt and you had student loan debt, but yet it's everything's relative, right? For you, this yeah. was an enormous amount of money. Yeah. And it's just, you know, whatever it is for anyone else or anyone else out there listening or anyone who's done this before, whatever it is for you, it's usually stopping you from doing the things you want to do, no matter how much that is. You know, some people that were in the class with us or some people that are, you know, in the classes that I teach, they're in like $800,000 worth of debt. So yeah, mine probably seems pretty slim to some of that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 800000 Is that including a mortgage? It was including like three mortgages. Oh, yeah, because it was like a military family that bounced around and kept buying houses and things like that. And so yeah, you can liquidate some of that pretty quickly sometimes if you can sell. Um, but yeah, you know, it's not necessarily drowning, but it was still stopping me from doing some of the things that I wanted to do in my life. You know, it, it keeps you stuck. And uh, because it was all student 
loans, the repayment plan that they put you on, which um, I encourage everyone to really reassess that, uh, was about 24 years, 24 years that it was going to take me to pay it off because I was paying the minimum. I was just, you know, doing what it told me to do. And uh, that won't get you anywhere very quickly at all. And I think that that's what most people are doing. And they're even extending those payment plans even longer. I'm like, that's not good. (laughs) So walk me through your typical day as someone who was trying to aggressively get out of debt, what were you cutting out? How did you alter your spending specifically? Uh, make this really visual. I want to visualize this. So take us, take us back to that point. Yeah. So the first step for me was definitely creating a budget where I, I think that before that I thought I was living on a budget because I just wasn't overdrafting, (laughs) but that's not a budget. (laughs) Like I really, when I started the program, I looked at my past three months expenses and I did what's called a zero based budget. So I took my income and then I subtracted all my expenses and then I saw what was left over and everything that was left over, I started pouring onto the debt, right? So really aggressively attacking that. I also had between four and $5,000 in my savings account that I was just kind of holding on to, which is not that much, but it was still more than I needed to have in my savings since I had all this debt. And so Dave teaches you, uh, you know, just save a thousand in your emergency fund when you, when you have debt, uh, then pay off that debt and then start building the savings fund again. And so that is what I, what I did. You know, I, I knocked that savings account back down to a thousand dollars, which is hard because I think when you don't have money, you come from not having a lot of money, especially going through college, accruing lots of debt. And then you, I, I started at a corporate job and I was making decent money and I was just like hoarding it, right? Like I didn't want to pay off the debt. I was like, I just want to keep this as a security blanket here. <laughs> so I started, you know, with the budget and I started paying things off. Then I, you know, I, once I did the budget, I could see where my money was going because I think a lot of times, and this was true for me and it's true for a lot of people that I work with through FPU as well as through my business coaching, um, that we don't even know where we're spending money. We just aimlessly do it sometimes. You're not consciously spending. And so it was like $20 here, $40 there, and like all those things add up. And so I cut back my target trips for sure, right? Like (laughs) not spending, you know, on the things that I could, you know, using quotation marks with my hands, could afford because I had an income and I was still making the minimum payments on my debt. Um, But I just cut back on a lot of those things. Silly things like dog toys. I have a dog and I like spoil him to death. And so every time I'd go to the store, you buy a dog toy or something, you know, here or there. And those things add up over the month. And so once I looked at the budget, once I sat down and looked at my bank statements for the past three months, it was very obvious that there was lots of things that I could cut out. I wasn't ever really big on eating out. Um, so that even, that wasn't really a big That's uh, sacrifice for me. I know it wasn't a big <laughs> sacrifice for me, but actually- Wait, tell us uh, where you live too. <laughs> I live in Montgomery, Alabama right now. Um, and I lived in Wilmington, North Carolina before that. So my company, my former company uh, had moved me around a lot. So uh, I I just didn't really eat out a lot. But when I when I moved here, my fiance did like eating out a lot. And so that was kind of a change for him. He had to sacrifice because we weren't going out to eat maybe like once a month. Um, and things like small things, right? Like I don't have cable. I switched my phone provider to something that would save me 
not tons of money, but like $30 a month, which adds up over time. Um, when I was living in Wilmington, I had like three different gym memberships because I'm like an athlete. I'm a gym junkie. And so I had like my yoga membership and my pure bar and my, <laughs> I was like, right. okay, that's a little excessive, right? Mm-hmm. Just because I had the money to do it. Um, so I really cut back on things like that. And then the other part was really increasing my income. You know, you can only cut back so much. Like I'm a firm believer in that. And I think that that's what deters people from feeling like they can get out of debt is like they they think they've cut everything out and, and maybe they have, right? Maybe they have cut back as far as they can. Well, then what's, what do you need to do? You have to increase your income. Like there's yes, n- there's yes. no option there, right? <laughs> as 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 Dave Ramsey, which is mm-hmm. great. I've, I I heard him once on his radio show tell a caller, uh, "Doesn't sound like you have a budget problem. Sounds like you have an income problem." Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, that, "Thank you, thank you." Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, I think that, and we talk about this on the show all the time. That not only is it really sometimes the bigger issue is your income. How it, it's also easier sometimes to go out there and bring home an extra fifty dollars than try to find ways to cut fifty dollars from your budget. These days, especially with so much accessibility to connect with people who need your help to do something thanks to the internet. Mm-hmm. So now tell us, once this debt was gone, wh- what did you do next? And what was the, uh, what was, how did that lead you to starting your own business? The day you quit your job, for example, was that mm-hmm. not too far after this? Yeah. So I, you know, I started the debt, you know, plan early January ish, maybe late last year. And then I start, I had, you know, I started blogging, which organically turned into a coaching business, like because people were reaching out. And so I, I kind of organically turned into a business. It was not like intentional that this is what I wanted, like, this is what I'm going to do. But then it turned out to be like, definitely my passion and my purpose. And I was like, really motivated to get out of the job more quickly, because every day that I stayed there, I felt like my soul was being, you know, sucked out of me. And so I started growing the business on the side in January. That was um, what really started happening. And then I was really, as I built the business, I was really working two full-time jobs. Like I grew the business very quickly because I wanted it very badly and I wanted to get rid of the debt so that I could leave that job. I knew I didn't want to leave. And this is different for everyone. Like I think that some people may need to get out of a job before they their debt's paid off. I don't know. I think that sometimes... You, you got to do what's right for you. But for me, I wanted to pay off the debt uh, before I left because I I knew I didn't want to have that kind of hanging over me um, and not have a real consistent way to pay it off. So I, as soon as I paid off the debt, I finished paying off the debt at, in the end, end of May of this year. I made my final payment. And then I left the day job on June 30th was my last day. So it was really like, one month later that I was done, but I had already given my notice and everything because, um, funny story. My, one of my VPs actually found out that I had a side business and he called me out. (laughs) Aha. Well, you know what? Maybe that was a good thing. Sometimes you need that push. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Now you have to do it because now it's out there in the open and yeah. <laughs> they kind of gave me the call, like, what's your plan here? Forced accountability. Yeah. Um, you know, Um, So Adrian, through all of this, uh, tell us, well, actually, let me go back one step. Tell us about Mm -hmm. the business. Tell us now what you are doing and how you're helping people uh, on your own independently as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah. So I am, you know, a success strategist and kind of a business coach for online entrepreneurs. So I help high achievers really achieve their highest goals in their business, help them start their business, uh, run their business and really create a rich life. Because I think as entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of people burn themselves out very quickly. And so I try to help uh, my clients create, you know, packages services and offerings and sell those packages and services and offerings in a way that supports the life they really want to create. And um, it's been very successful for me so far. I love my clients. I love what I do. And so that's the, the bonus, right? That's like even better is that I make good money doing mm-hmm. what I really love. And I know that that's available for anyone who's willing to do it. Yeah. They say uh, if there's one thing that you can learn how to do in this world, to learn how to sell. And mm. I'm talking from a, you know, from a business perspective. I'm not saying mm-hmm. like you should also learn how to be, you know, compassionate and loving and a good per- a good person. But as far as you know, just business goes, yeah. and uh, being able to create an, a living or an earning is if you can learn how to sell yourself in a healthy, positive, productive way to get clients, then you uh, you have the skills for success. Mm-hmm. What, what do you find are the greatest pain points of your clients when they come to you typically what are they really struggling with they don't know how to voice their message maybe in a consistent way so they don't know how to reach the right clients or they really don't even know maybe specifically who they want to serve so they're kind of confused in that area they feel like maybe the the space is crowded how do they stand out how do they become the expert in their field um also things like you just mentioned, things, you know, very critical to running a business, especially I work with a lot of, I I work with some men, but I work with a lot of women and they don't like selling. And if you don't get comfortable and confident and really good at selling, you don't have a business. (laughs) So, um, helping them with, with Mm -hmm. first of all, getting comfortable with that, you know, really we dig deep into the mindset work too, understanding your money story, as well as boosting your confidence, because you have to kind of move through a lot of fears and negative emotions when you run a business. And so there's a lot of that involved as well, but you know, getting the skill sets down, like you have to learn to sell and and you can't do it in a sleazy, slimy, icky, gross way either. Cause mm-hmm. it's not going to feel good and it's not going to work. <laughs> so, you know, all of those things are, are huge, but really being able to impact the people you want to impact, um, in a way that feels good and makes you the money that you desire, I think is super important. And people often don't think about those things. They just think that either I have to do something I love and not make a lot of money or make a lot of money and do something I hate. Right. And that's just not true. Right. No, there is a sweeter spot. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's your financial philosophy, Adrian, now that you have been through this amazing feat of yourself paying off your debt in a very quick amount of time, accelerated Mm -hmm. pay down. And uh, I'm curious, have if any of the adjustments that you made during that six month period, if any of them stuck, You know, if you've Mm -hmm. taken on a new kind of philosophy on money and the way that you handle your budget. Yeah. So for me, like I have like two guiding financial philosophies, I think. And one is that it doesn't matter, you know, how much you make if you're not able to manage it. And I see a lot of people with that problem, like they want to manifest more and more money. That's a big buzzword, like manifest all the money you want. But if you don't know how to manage it, you're always going to have a money problem. And then the other thing is just that anything is possible. Like, I think that, you know, living in fear and and constant state of lack is not uh, how it has to be. And like going through what I 
what I did, you know, like being able to pay off that much money in, in a short amount of time, more than doubling my corporate income, which I thought my corporate income was pretty good. Um, and then being able to more than double that within, you know, just a few months of starting my own business. I know that anything is possible if it's possible for me. And, and if I'm just, if I just believe in that. So, uh, those two things kind of guide every decision that I make, you know, making sure that as I do make more money, that I'm managing it properly. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely one of my mantras. And if you are a subscriber to my email list, you recently got an email from me talking about that precisely because I had a guest on the show not too long ago, um, <clears throat> Brian Brandau, who runs DebtDiscipline.com. And get this, he and his family were $109,000 in credit card debt mm. and he was earning $120,000 a year. So six, the headline is I earn six figures. I'm also six figures in credit card debt. So mm -hmm. the point like you made is that it doesn't matter how much you make. Uh, yeah. cause I've heard the opposite story too, where someone's making nothing. They're making so little that they have to be on food stamps. Uh, but in a year they were able to invest the little money that they were making wisely into mm -hmm. themselves, into, uh, resources, and in a year, they were able to make almost a million dollars. So yeah. it really doesn't matter what the income is. It's how you manage it. Well said. Yeah. What is the exposure that you had to money growing up as a kid? I'm curious now to learn a little bit about, you know, your financial upbringing. What was it mm -hmm. positive? Was it was it confusing? No. <laughs> yeah. Like go, let's go there. Let's go there. Yeah. Um, no, it was not positive. It probably was confusing. Um, I think my whole childhood was kind of confusing, but in terms of money, I, I lived with an alcoholic, abusive mom, a single mom for a probably seven years alone, you know, like my parents were together and then they got divorced and we lived with just our mom at that time, my brother and myself. And, um, you know, the courts in Florida, they they usually keep you with your mom. And so that's a whole different story. But she never had money. You know, she was she worked, but she was kind of like a. now that I'm an adult, I know that she was definitely like a functioning alcoholic at work. And so she never was able to, like, have enough. Like we were always in in a state of lack and scarcity mindset. And, you know, it was always that my dad owed her money and, and things like that. So it was a very negative um upbringing in terms of money. And then um, at one point, I think I was probably, I was going into seventh grade. I remember, I don't know how old I was, but she kind of decided that she didn't want to take care of us anymore or whatever that, you know, whatever that situation was. I was a kid, so I don't really know. But we ended up going to live with my dad and we never saw her again. Um, and my dad was more of an entrepreneur. And so we had money there. So I went from like being dirt broke, living at my mom's house to living with my dad in like the nicest neighborhood in the area and then going to school and everyone knew me as the girl who lived in the really nice neighborhood. And uh, so that was really confusing, honestly, <laughs> to go from like nothing to a lot, but not really feel like I had anything to do with it because I I didn't, you know, and I didn't, mm. I didn't really know what was going on. And you might um, have missed your mom too. That sounds like a really hard transition. Yeah, I don't know that I missed her. I was really excited, honestly, to really? be there. Yeah, it was a really bad situation with my mom. And mm -hmm. so I'm sure there was like some subconscious confusion there for sure. Like, 
you gave me away, right? Like you don't want me anymore. So like, there's definitely some of that that I've dealt with as an adult, just kind of like pulling up those layers. But you know what? Maybe be thankful. She was incapable. She was completely incapable. And unfortunately, you had another parent who was able Mm -hmm. to be there, not just financially, but hopefully also physically Mm -hmm. and emotionally in some ways. So So I definitely like I thank her now, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what that was like back then. And as a kid, you know, I don't know, but I do think that it was out of love now that I can reflect back. So that is something that has, you know, made me the person that I am today for sure. Like so many skills that I've, um, or things that make me, me (laughs) are because of that situation. So it's a, you know, but it was still very confusing financially as well as my dad, was an entrepreneur and either we had, we went from feast to famine, you know, we had lots of money and then we didn't. And then we had lots of money and we didn't, but we didn't really talk about money. It was just kind of known. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a lot of confusion. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I like the, I like the story that you've chosen to tell because there are a lot of ways you could have, you know, recalled that story and <laughs> talked about how it impacted you. And I think you chose the best way possible, the healthiest way, the, and I really the right way that you, what you've chosen mm-hmm. to sort of analyze that as is the right and healthiest way. Mm-hmm. So that shows a lot of, that shows a lot of character. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I think as adults that we have to, we have to be willing to pull up some of those layers though, and really understand because that is part of my money story, right? It's mm-hmm. part of my, yes. my story in general. And like really just figuring it out as an adult and how it affects me in different ways now. Absolutely. What would you say is your greatest financial fail? So we've talked about the debt and that could definitely be a cat. I mean, but it was student loans. I don't consider that a failure. In fact, I think that's a remarkable feat of yours is to have had the debt and then to get out of it so quickly. So separate from that, what would you say is your 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 down point? And then Mm -hmm. we're going to reverse it and talk about a so money moment. So we're yeah. going to get to a, a happier moment soon. But first, let's talk. Let's talk sadness. Fail. Yeah, let's talk, talk sadness. failure. <laughs> so failure for me, you know, like having the debt. Yeah, we, you know, that's that's something that everyone deals with. But it it did, you know, allow me to go. It was all student debt. So it allowed me to go through school. But I did have some credit cards at one point um, when I was in college because my dad was kind of in that uh, famine mode. And so it turned out like. Um, I was working in college and so I took out some credit cards too to like, it was in 2008 when gas was like $5 a gallon. I had a, like a big Durango truck <laughs> that he had given me. And so it was expensive, you know, to even just get around. And so, um, I took out some credit cards at that time to, to help me pay for some expenses as well as student loans. And I think my financial, you know, fails that have, happened over the years would be in terms of just avoiding this stuff. Like I've gone, like I've had, you know, collections come to me because I avoided payments or I forgot, like you can't just forget. Right. (laughs) Um, so those would probably be my big financial fails because even with the debt, um, the, the student debt, like I would, I, I kind of, took my head out of the sand finally and started mm-hmm. to pay it off. But at that point, when I was still in college and, and a couple of years after college, I was really just trying to avoid it and hope that it would go away. And that never happens. Like you have to pay attention to it, right? And at least pay the minimum if you can pay more. But I just was avoiding it. And so I let some of those things slide, like 
and now I have probably a horrible credit score. I don't really um, focus on my credit score that much because after going through Dave's program, um, I know that my credit score doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't define me. And for, for a long time, I, I allowed it. I allowed it to affect my self-worth. Um, and I, I don't think that that's valuable <laughs> for anyone to do because, you know, like Dave always says, cash is king. And I, I really do believe that. And I understand that there are things that people, you know, probably want uh, good credit for. But for me right now, I, I never want it to affect my self-worth. And for a long time, I allowed it to. And, and it was my fault, right? Like I, I definitely avoided payments for a long time. And that was probably a big financial fail because I had the money to pay them. I was just like being stupid and young. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I struggle with that. Uh, that sentiment of not having to worry about credit because mm-hmm. as we know, yeah, credit is one of those things that, you know, you need it to be able to get more credit, but also people don't know this. Sometimes you need a credit history to just get like a utility company to give you um, a service. I had my credit checked when I got Verizon installed in my mm-hmm. house. I had my credit checked when I was renting an apartment in New York City. So, mm-hmm. you know, there it, it can cause a hurdle if you don't have any kind of credit profile. And it's just important for people to know what the implications are if you don't have credit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so that's just my, my two cents. Yeah, I think for sure. And I know that that's your sentiment. And I know that like Dave is definitely in the other boat. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I think that I definitely, you know, I'm working to improve that because I'm not, I don't have any credit right now, but still, you know, make th- putting things to make payments that do affect your credit and paying those on time and things like that. But, you know, I want to be in a position like Dave Ramsey where I don't have to worry about credit. I can just pay cash for things and, you know, I'll be willing to jump through some hurdles when a utility uh, company comes to me if they don't want my business. But I totally agree. There are some hoops that you probably have to jump through nowadays because of that. But still not letting it define your self-worth is is still essential, I think, because a lot of people yeah. feel ashamed and guilty oh. and embarrassed, you know, around their finances. Yeah, people don't. It's like apparently something that might come up on it on the first date. Oh. That was huge for me. Like when I first got into this relationship and thank God, um, my now fiance like was so, so good and supportive about finances. But I honestly felt fearful to even tell him because I was like, he's not going to want to marry me. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's true. And I think that a lot of people think that. And he was just like, no, that has nothing to do with who you are. And I was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) So it really took him saying that for me to, you know, kind of help me come out of that that shame and and embarrassments for sure. Wow. All right, let's talk. Let's get let's get some happiness. Yeah. Happiness back into the podcast. <laughs> let's talk about a so money moment. I might want to throw in that you are the breadwinner in your relationship, so high five. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so so money moment for me was probably being able to make that last uh, payment on my debt and then, um, you know, being able to quit the job because I had more than doubled my corporate income with my side business and not just one month, but being able to do that consistently, which was really important to feel like it was okay to leave the job. Right. Wow. And how did that conversation go when you were leaving the job? (laughs) <laughs> the one where my VP called me or? <laughs> um, well, was that the moment where you were like, yeah, actually, I'll, uh, this is. I, uh, we had a long conversation. Yeah, it was kind of weird for 
you know, me to get that call. So I kind of knew something was up. But, you know, we had a conversation and he kind of asked me if this was something I still loved doing. And I kind of told him, no, not really loving the day to day. And I don't really see myself here long term. And so he had kind of asked me, you know, to make a decision. And so the next day, you know, I had I had really already made that decision within myself. But um, the next day I went in and went into my regional manager's office and just told her uh, that I would I would be leaving and I was happy to stay as long as they needed me um, within reason. You know, if they needed to replace someone else that I really had no quick plans to leave, but that I had kind of been asked you know, to leave or, or to at least make a decision. And she, they asked me to stay for like two extra months. And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I stayed for like an extra month and a half. And then it was actually, it was just, it was time to go after that, you know, just being around the office after everyone knew I was leaving for a long time was challenging, but I was really excited. You know, I was really excited to step into my business full time. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was time. (laughs) Yeah. You just know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what is one habit, Adrian, that you now practice, perhaps stemming from your days of getting out of debt very quickly and aggressively that has stuck and that you uh, like to teach to now your students? Yeah, I like I like budgeting. I like to see where my money is going. I think that that's really important. And I do teach that to people uh, because I think a lot of people avoid just looking at their finances because they know that they're not, you know, creating the financial habits that they want. And so they they tend to just avoid it. So budgeting for me was was really the moment I took my financial control back. I think that I was just letting things happen. And then once I sat down and I really looked at the budget and put Put, you know, I really spent things intentionally. And I think that that's still what I do is I want people to spend their money. I think that that's why we make money, right? Um, but spend it intentionally and and give every dollar a place to go and don't just let them uh, escape on their own. <laughs> so that's, that's mm-hmm. the biggest financial habit that I have that I always try to pass on so that you can, you know, manage what you have and, and, don't spend more than you earn. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks now? You've been so I'm patient. Ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> if I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is? I would probably hold on to it for a while, uh, make sure that I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it, but I would give away a lot, probably like 50 to 75%. And then I'd probably invest the rest. And I'd, I'd make sure that my, uh, fiance hired someone to help us invest that. Cause we'd probably invest in real estate actually. Cause that's mm-hmm. a big, big goal of ours. Do you plan to stay in, um, in Alabama or, or is this like where you're going to set up your, you get no. your forever home or you're going to no. maybe look at now? Okay. <laughs> we, uh, we're both here because of the corporate job that we were in. We've both since left that corporate company. So we're, we're on the prowl now to get out of here. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> no offense. No, none taken at all. Um, one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is our new house cleaners. Is it a service that's online? Because I know now there's like a growing number of online services that that host um, house cleaning duties and will come to your house and do it. Or is it like an individual? It's um, it's local, but it's like a, a franchise. But it is I did find them online, but they're not like one of those bigger uh, companies. It's just a local 
uh, small company, but cool. Well, whatever it is, I'm glad you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Makes us feel rich to, to be able to do that. And it's really not that much money. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so worth it because you save so much time mm-hmm. and hassle. So now what I want to know is my gig, my, my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, but I wouldn't have it any other way is. Oh, this is a hard one. My biggest guilty pleasure is probably I spend too much money on my dog. Like I told you before, like I spend money on toys and um, not as much anymore as I used to, but it costs like $100 to get him groomed <laughs> and things like that. Yikes. So, Do- pets are expensive. Oh, well, yeah. And like taking him to the vet. He also has insurance. So, yeah, he's definitely my biggest guilty pleasure, but I love him so much. Excellent. <laughs> One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is compound interest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. For sure. For sure. And when I donate, I like to give to blank because we like to um support people who want to go through Dave Ramsey's program. So we always sponsor families who can't afford to purchase Dave Ramsey's program. We teach it and we also sponsor people to go through that program and just ask that they pay it forward in the future. That's That's great. Yeah. And then with my um, coaching service, anytime that's a new client signs on with me, I want to teach people to be givers. And so there's a line on our contract that says, you know, 10% of you know, what they pay me goes to a charity of their choice. And so they get to pick where, where that charity, what that charity is. And so, you know, I donate 10% of that income plus 10% of my total income, uh, overall. And so I get to donate to lots of different charities because they get to pick where they want their money to go. And that's really for me to start cultivating a giving spirit within my clients Mm -hmm. as well. Excellent. 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 Well, I don't even have to ask, but I will. I'm Adrian Doris and I'm so money because I'm so money because I know that creating a really rich life isn't just about money. <laughs> it is not. And that's what this show is really about. And I, 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 you know, connecting with people like you, it really brings it to life. And so thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom with us and your failures, as well as your successes. Really appreciate the candor and wishing you continued success, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me on Farnoosh. This was a lot of fun. And like I said, a little mini dream to come Aww. true. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I do what I can. <laughs> You're a dream weaver. That's a wrap, guys. If you'd like to learn more about Adrian, her website is adriandorison.com. She's on Twitter at Adrian Dorison. Adrian is also very active on Periscope, I must say. She is the queen of Periscope. So if you're not on Periscope yet, get on there, get an account, and follow Adrian. That way you can see her when she's giving great advice. All this info at somoneypodcast.com, as always. And you can find the transcript and comments from this episode and all previous ones. And please submit your questions. Every Friday is Ask Farnoosh time where I answer your questions about money, life, career, kids, uh, whatever, weddings, buying a home, buying a car, going on a trip, deals. I am I am at this point come across almost every kind of question and I'm happy to. So please keep them a coming and hopefully uh, you will get your question answered on the air on a Friday near you. 
in the meantime, everyone, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate your loyal listenership and I hope your day is so money. Money.